Christmas, so that music is good, isn't it? Oh. I can't miss. Well, this time of year, we tend to speak about the same things on Sunday, but all year long, I tend to speak about the same things, and that's my Jesus, so this is an easy one today. I also want to let you know, uh, my parents aren't here, they're usually right here, or any of you ask me after church, they're okay. Everything's fine. Dad had to sing uh, at another service this morning, so he wasn't able to be here. But fear not, for Tuesday night, he will be singing Mary Did You Know. So if you missed him today, you can catch him on Tuesday. Uh, today, I won't hold you too long, but if you could turn to your books, to the book of Matthew, turn to your Bibles or your phones or however you want to find it, the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. The first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, we're going to start at the second chapter, the first verse. Matthew 2, and starting at verse 1, I'm going to read down through verse 12. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And it reads as thus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where? The Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them that the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Verse 6 says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Father God, we come to you right now looking with anticipation, with expectation to receive a message from you. Lord, we ask your spirit to move right now. Let it touch each heart. Let it open each mind so that we can see deeper to your purpose for us. Lord, I ask that you consecrate me now by the power of your grace so divine 
Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and let my will be lost in thine. It's in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you see through the darkness? Are we able to see when there's not really visible light? This week, we celebrated, or some of us celebrated, the winter solstice. Certain parts of the world, it's a big deal. First day of winter, it's the shortest day of the year. So we have the least amount of light. So much so that people have written things about it. There's a poem called The Shortest Day, quite popular poem by a woman named Susan Cooper. And she wrote this poem and with her, give a little background, she grew up in Nazi-occupied Germany and she was a Jewish lady. And she remembered the nights in the winter when the bombs would fall. And there were long nights. And she recalled how on those nights they would just have the candles lit. And as the planes flew over, started coming, those lights would start to shake. And the rattling might fall over. And so when she wrote her poem, as she matured into a woman, and she, she wrote this, the beginning starts as this. It says, so the shortest day came, and the year died. And everywhere down the centuries of the snow-white world came people singing, dancing, to drive the dark away. And I can't help but read that and think of the night Christ was born, this darkness of the winter solstice, long dark nights, and here driving away the darkness of the world came the light. And so I just want to touch on three ways of how we as people in 2020, it has been 2020 for me for a few months now, so in 2020 kind of can look and see what God is doing in the midst of all that we have around us, all this evolution and technology and so much at our fingertips. But yet, there's still his light. Not the world's light, but his light. And so first, three things I always like to break down in three. First, we need to pay attention. Second, we need to acknowledge. And finally, we need to anticipate. See, in the story, we find the Magi coming from the east. And we know in the kids' fables and the stories, we always call them the, the three kings. Well, it's not biblical that they were kings, but we, we call them three kings. But we do know that they were very wise men. They were traveled men. They had been all over and seen many things. And so I could only imagine that they had sitting around in their prospective places. They were probably like astrologers we would think of. They were 
attuned to the stars and the sky, and they must have noticed something different, that something wasn't the same, that the normal trajectory of their star, the normal mappings that they had seen had, had shifted, that something new had appeared. So much so, so distinctly, that they decided we need to follow this star. We need to go where this light is shining, this new thing that has appeared to us. We need to go find out what this is. This mystery needs to be solved. And similar to us, we go in our day-to-day, and we see all kinds of signs, don't we? All the pop-up ads and notifications that we get. Signs all over the place, but do we see the signs that God is giving us? The signs that he reveals to us. It may not be a pop-up ad. It may be a pop-up person. And they may not be shining and bright and happy to see us. They may be the total opposite. They may be down and sad. Those who no one else is looking at. But God uses things in different ways to show us his signs, so we have to pay attention. See, they saw the sign and they responded. And in this holiday season, the wise men remind us that we must be careful to pay attention, but also to respond. I know I was with my daughter the other day and we were pulled up to the light, and there were the guys there with their signs, you know, help us out Christmas time. And, you know, I, I often give, and I actually know a couple of them. Uh, we've kind of taken them in, but we saw this guy, and he was on the corner, and I told her, I said, you know, it's a good season for him, because it's this time that people feel like giving. They want to give. They're looking for an opportunity to give. Now that's a simple one, that's an easy one. But all throughout our lives, all throughout our day to day, there are opportunities just like that. Maybe the person at work isn't walking around with a sign saying, I need someone to pray for me right now. But I guarantee you, there are people in your day to day that need you to pray for them that are in need in their personal lives of things that they can't say, that they don't want to share. And maybe we're, we get a little inclination that something's not quite right. But we say, oh, you know, email comes up, message comes on my phone, you know, I always joke, squirrel, squirrel, something happens. And we go on to the next thing. But if we take those times, be patient in our spirit. Be aware in our spirit. So when we feel that inclination to say something, or we, that inclination that something's not quite right, that we do reach out. You know, my wife did something last year. She said, you know, every time God tells me to call somebody, I'm just going to call. Or I'm going to at least text them. I said, okay, well, then, you know. So that's a big, big ask, you know. He said, no, no, I'm going to. 
And so, I don't know if she did it every time, but I do know that there's been a few instances where she just texted a friend, called someone that was on her mind, and it was right on point. They needed that word. They just needed to hear a voice. They couldn't believe that she had called at that particular moment. And of course, they were going through something, as we all are, all the time. So we need to pay attention and respond. And then we also need to acknowledge when we respond to situations, and you know, this season is very busy for all of us, and I do a lot of giving back, a lot of collecting of food and toys, and a lot of giving them out, and it's a blessing. But I have to remember myself that I'm doing all this, I'm facilitating all of this giving, why? Because I wanna show people that God loves them. I wanna show people that Christ came and died for them. So I'm giving out all these toys and food to people and need to say, you know what, and God bless you, can I pray for you? You know, Jesus loves you, is there anything I can do to help you in your walk? Do you know who Jesus is? We have to acknowledge why we're doing these things. You know, God asks us to be humbled, to be servant leaders, and that requires us to be very aware of what others need. And that all sounds good on, on paper. But to really do that and put it into action can be draining. If it's just me, if I feel like I have to do this, I've got to meet that person's need, I have to be there for this and I have to do that, it's going to take so much out of us. But if I say, okay, Lord, I'm not doing this for me. You show me what it is you want me to do. You tell me what it is you want me to say. I'm not gonna worry about it. We were going to visit Kelly's friend in the hospital. She was all nervous. You know, obviously her friend's on her deathbed, possibly. And she's getting ready to go in. She's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I said, you don't have to say anything. Just be, just be there. And whatever God puts on your heart to say, you just say that. We can overthink so many things. Our mind is so powerful, so fast, so busy, calculating, processing. The Spirit just tries to get us to say, it's okay. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I'm taking care of this. You're doing this for me. It's not just on you. So acknowledge him in all that we do. Because it can become confusing this time of year. We're listening to something on NPR. They had these comedians, and they were talking about Christmas time. And the guy was saying how Christmas is just such a depressing time. You know, it's the time of year. When he was, when he was younger, it was such a celebration. Because 
he got the toys, and there was all this laughter in the house, and it was so happy. And then he got older, and he realized there's no Santa. Oh, I'm sorry, that kid's in the house. I'm sorry. There's a Santa. My wife gets mad at me all the time because we don't do Santa in our house. I'm sorry. But the guy's saying he realizes this, and all of his illusions, and all the, the, the joys that he thought it was about, it wasn't about any of that. And so as an adult, he didn't know how to celebrate Christmas. It just seemed like some material giving thing, like Valentine's Day. It seemed pointless. So why do it? I don't understand. It's all, it's all just the media. It's all just consumers trying to get us to spend our money. And I'm like, you know what? I can't fault you for feeling that way. Because no one ever showed you why we celebrate Christmas. No one acknowledged the reason for the season. And see, we can fall into that too. We keep trying to recreate this childhood dream we had on Christmas morning. But what we need to recreate is every day acknowledging that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That he came into the world to die for our sins. And because of him, this day, this season, this year, this life, I celebrate and say, God, use me for your purpose. Because you are my Lord and Savior. That's why I get happy at Christmas time. Not because I get to shop. Because I know that it's a celebration of my life. Because my life was saved for what happened in this season that we celebrate. So we acknowledge the reason for this season. And finally, we anticipate. We expect him to show up. We stay watchful, just as the Magi were watching the sky. They were in anticipation that something was happening. So much so that they decided to get up and move, to go over countries from the east, the far east they came by camel and Days and nights, didn't say how long it took them, but it was a long journey. And they came to the king and they said, hey, we're here to see the king of the Jews. Now, how offensive must that have been to Herod? Here he is. You're coming into my kingdom, into my throne room, and you're asking for somebody else, some other king under my jurisdiction. I'm sure he was infuriated. But this is how we are in the world. We're anticipating. We look for a king. We look for someone to rule us, to help us get by, to help us do the things that we don't want to do. And all the times, it's not King Herod. It's King Jesus. It's not the guy up in the castle, in the, in the, castle, in the palace. It's not that guy that has all the power of the world. It's the little baby in the manger. The one that's been anointed by God. That's how the spirit moves. It's not always the way we expect it to look. That's how miracles happen. That's why it's a miracle, because we don't expect it. It's not how we think it's going to look. God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Don't limit God's possibilities by looking for a specific opportunity. But that's how we are. We see things, the shiny, the bright stuff. It's like we're kids. 
The shiniest, the brightest, must be the best. God says, no, I don't work in appearances. I'm sorry. I don't care how it looks. I'm sorry. I'm about the heart. I'm about the spirit. That's where I move. That's what I want from you. Not your appearance, your purpose, your passion, your love. That's what he's looking for. So in this season, we want, we want it to look one way, but God delivers it the best way. He knows exactly the signs to give us if we just are paying attention. He knows exactly the way to move us in our hearts if we just acknowledge him and respond. And he knows how to make miracles happen. Are we anticipating his miracle this Christmas season? As we prepare for this new year, I want to challenge each, every one of you to anticipate God to move in your life. Say, Lord, I know you're real. I know you're with me. So I want to acknowledge you and ask you in my anticipation, in my expectation, to move in 2020. To take those old things that I've been leaning on, those old crutches I still just can't kick, to set me free. That I may lean only on you. That I may rely only on you. And with that, see the miracle of my life. Abounding, growing, being fulfilled to your potential. Amen? Amen. Amen. As the band comes forward, let us be wise men this holiday season. See through the dark veiled night of this world and see the first Noel. They say the angels sung that night because born was a king, the king of Israel. If you'd all please stand. One, two.
serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. Put him first in your life. Let him know he is the reason. We're going to welcome our little kitties up to bless us, our angels, excuse me, <laughs> 